Welcome to Labor Pains, supported by Women Connect and Support. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am a woman passionate about helping women and men share their stories of infertility struggles or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. My guests will share their painful stories of hurt and heartache to bring you hope and inspiration so that you know that you are not alone during your journey to have a family to love. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I have a important guest today. This will be my first interview with a, a man on the podcast, and I'm excited to hear from Jeff and his story because we do know that um, infertility struggles and loss of a child affect the spouse, the male, as much as it does you know, the woman. And so I am excited to hear his perspective. Jeff is a friend of mine that I met, oh gosh, about a year or so ago. And we become friends and didn't know he had a story like this when I met him, but later found out that he did. So I want to welcome my guest, Jeff. Hello. 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 I think it's actually been two years, Teresa. Has it been two years? Or coming up on two for sure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. How time yeah. flies. It huh? does. <laughs> it doesn't seem that long ago. But I know. Okay. You're, you're, prob- <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah, I think it might be two years this fall. Yeah, it would have been August. Yeah. Or no, that, it- that's a little too soon. But yeah, more like yeah, you're right, the fall. fall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so we've known each other for a little while and we, of course, immediately connected as as friends and business associates, I guess, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jeff, I want you to tell us first a little bit about you and your wife. Um, just something about, you know, your relationship when you decided to get married, if you were going to have children right away, if there were thoughts of children, how many, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, my wife and I met on a dating website, good old mm-hmm. uh, match.com. I don't even know if that's still a thing or not, but um, probably eight years ago. And, you know, when you fill out profiles and stuff especially on that particular website you know it was pretty deep and i think you know there was some you know questions there about you know long-term plans for kids and i think we were pretty much on the same page on that right from the get-go right but nothing serious at all you know that was the whole reason for us to get together and so we just formed a connection and that was certainly just part of the conversation from the very beginning. Uh, And I had just turned 31 and my wife is a couple years older than me. She was 33. And so as the relationship got serious, it certainly was something that, you know, we kind of pushed to the forefront uh, just to make sure that, you know, as time goes on, you know, having children can be riskier and riskier. So yeah, you know, we decided that, you know, after we got married, that would be something that one of the first things we, we tried doing. So. Okay. Yeah. And that makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because it does, you know, statistics show that as a woman, especially the woman, 
gets older, it, there could be complications of mm -hmm. infertility and stuff like that. So that was smart on your part. You guys yeah. were well educated on that. So yeah. you got married. And so did you decide like right away that you were going to start trying to have children then? Or was yeah. it a short yeah. period of time? Or No, it was really more, you know, kind of cart before the horse is the way it ended up happening because uh, she was pregnant at our wedding. Oh, okay. <laughs> it happens. Uh, it happens. Yeah. So because, you know, she, she had been on birth control her, you know, whole adult life, essentially. And, you know, having never tried to have children before, um, you know, we were unsure how all that worked. And apparently, you know, with our story, conceiving children was never an issue. Um, mm. So immediately she was pregnant. You just looked. You just looked at her, and it happened. Huh? Basically, it's exactly <laughs> what happened, right? So, but we were both taken by surprise, right? And I'll, I'll never forget, you know, you know the the pregnancy tests and like seeing that and thinking, wow, like you know the the feeling just kind of wash over you that you know things are gonna change in your life for sure. You know, this is a you know uh, a watershed moment, really, right? And then you know, being at the, uh, at her OB's office and seeing, you know, a little baby girl at the time. And it was just, you know, the size of the end of your thumb, you know, or a little rapid heartbeat, you know, beating through her thin skin, you know, on, on the screen there was just incredible. I mean, it really took me aback. I mean, I was completely shocked by the feelings that, you know, I felt kind of looking at that. It was exciting. So, wow uh, yeah you know, and then it was like oh yeah we're still preparing for our wedding uh but we didn't want to you know it, it was so our wedding was in october you know we probably can see the child in uh um august so we mm -hmm. weren't telling really anybody um okay and you know we wanted to have the wedding about the wedding and it was so early in her pregnancy we had the luxury of doing that. And, sure. And uh, that was nice. You know, I mean, we, we had our wedding and then basically as we sent out thank you cards to people who had given us gifts and things like that, we sort of wrote in a card that, hey, FYI, we're expecting a baby, such and such. So, um, yeah. And that was, I mean, it that kind of came hand in hand and it actually kind of messed up our plans for like, going on a honeymoon and all because you know suddenly we got all these doctor's appointments and you know things were just in a complete whirlwind all of a sudden you know we're kind of doing everything at once and uh, but it was okay I mean we had spent a lot of time as a couple traveling to different places and and doing a lot of that stuff so I mean I know a honeymoon special but you know a child is is certainly was oh my gosh more important to us to, to make sure that yeah. we had a as healthy as possible pregnancy and we signed up for those classes at mercy hospital about you know how to that type of stuff so yeah well good well i want to go back to yeah life totally changes and i i know like when seeing the heartbeat and all of that like everything starts to go through your head you know the planning of that child the dreams of like oh my gosh is it going to be a boy or a girl and 
Yeah. What are, what are, what are we going to do? You know, I'm so excited to have a son or a daughter and yeah, all of that just rushes at you, you know. For sure. Yeah. And you know, when that early on, you don't know what you're having. We found out right. later we were having a girl. And uh yeah, that had its own set of just like wow, like me as a dad to a, a girl, like the whole daddy's girl thing and you know all that just starts to seek into your psyche and you know just kind of become consume your thoughts you know and uh, it's exciting that is very exciting very exciting i mean i just know of course as a as a woman how i i felt and how my husband felt but yeah i mean just the excitement it's it consumes you. The excitement yeah. just totally consumes you. So um, how was your wife through that pregnancy? Was pregnancy good? Were there some complications? Yeah. How, how so, was that pregnancy? Pregnancy, first trimester, good. Everyone finds out. Second trimester, good. Um, so that puts you on at about 26 weeks. Things are going relatively well until about week 30. She starts swelling, feeling pretty bad. But, you know, when it's, you know, your first pregnancy and even for, you know, our OB, it was certainly kind of one of those things like, well, is, is this just a case of someone going through the third trimester, which can really just wreak havoc uh, uh, on a woman, you know? So it was, it's always a little bit of a, a fuzzy area about exactly what's, what's at foot, right? Uh-huh. And so it was towards the end of our pregnancy classes. And we actually found out towards the end that uh, from one of the ladies that we had run back into at the hospital, she goes, oh, yeah, she goes, I didn't want to say nothing, but you look like you're about ready to have a baby last time I talked to you. Or, and that kind of surprised us that she said that. But, hmm. you know, my, my wife and I, we're going to try to do a baby moon. And at the end of her spring break, She's a school teacher. She went, she wasn't feeling well. She, her mom told her to go to the nurse's office. She had her blood pressure checked. It was sky high. And so they told her to call her OB for further consultation. The mm-hmm. OB was out of town on vacation with her family. And so the OB's office said, go to the Mercy Hospital and, and they'll take care of you. And so we went there and they checked her into the maternity ward there, like the uh, the little spot they have on the first floor. They Mm -hmm. checked her blood pressure, uh, were immediately alarmed by the numbers they were giving and basically started communicating to my wife that they're going to have to probably take this, take our little girl out of her. And my wife is panicking because we're, you know, seven weeks early, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, to me, you know, my, it's it's just so funny because you're talking about the differences between men and women and this sort of thing. You know, I, I'm just so ignorant, right? I mean, my wife is having this panic and I'm like, 33 weeks, like, I don't even know, like, is that early? Is that good? Like, I, I can't even like make <laughs> heads or tails of it. And she's got this ex- extremely like, you know, lucid you know, understanding of what that means and the danger and the risk and all this. And I'm like, Oh, okay, I guess we're having a baby. You know, I'm just like <laughs> completely, you know, different, which is, you know, in hindsight is like completely, you know, totally guy typical. Right. You know? 
And yeah, so, like how many weeks is it supposed to be? <laughs> yeah, of course. Seven early? I mean, I don't know, you know, like what? and so <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so I spent the uh they stabilized her up in the maternity ward and then I spent the weekend with her kind of having like uh, a little hospital date, you know, twenty four seven. I didn't we didn't have any other kids. I, I think my mom was dog sitting for us, you know, so uh-huh. I was able to stay at the hospital the whole night and then on monday i went back to work they had moved her to another room and they called me at you know probably around three or four in the afternoon and said get your butt down here we're having a baby and right around after five o'clock they they delivered my little daughter amelia she was um three pounds five ounces wow she was tiny she was 17 and a half inches long, so she was about the right length, a little short, uh-huh. but on her weight, um, being very light, and so she was very thin. Um, I remember just being shocked at how almost malnourished she looked, you know, mm-hmm. um, and not really understanding at all on any level not it's not at least to the degree today that i that i get what happened but just like wow okay and so they me and her took a little elevator ride with the doctors down to the NICU Mm -hmm. and they hooked her all up the the first night she was in there she took her oxygen tube out of her nose and it was (laughs) never it was never going back in and, oh uh, my gosh, a little fighter. Yeah, and I just kind of remember being like, maybe this is this little girl's personality, right? Yeah. Is, no one's going to tell me how to breathe. No one's going <laughs> to, you know, all this. And so 20 days later, we had her in a car seat and we had her home and she starts first grade um, you know, in the fall. So. Wow. So is she a little, a little fighter? Got a strong personality? Yeah, she's... Um, the, she is extremely strong-willed. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is can be intense to say the least. <laughs> um, but you know, she's she really is kind of my daddy's girl. She she definitely is my child for sure. She's a, <laughs> she looks exactly like me, um, just a little bitty girl version of me, basically, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, she's an incredible amount of fun. She's got an intense personality. She's extremely personable. And I never really ever felt that she was behind other kids. I never felt any of this slowed her down. You know, all of that stuff was things that was going on in my wife's body that were causing the issues, you know, and that's what's, that's really what's sad there. So, you know. Yes. So um, she didn't really, I mean, was she there long enough that they got her lungs developed before you, she mm-hmm. delivered? And so the NICU stay was pretty smooth, just getting her bigger? Or did she yeah, have some complications? Yeah. yeah, I totally forgot about that. But yeah, they, they, they shoot steroids into, the, into my yeah. wife and that helps develop the lungs and yeah. you know, the air sacs and all that sort of stuff. So I just kind of remember them going through the routine. What had happened on that Monday um, after she'd been there a few days is they they had noticed that the umbilical cord flow was light. Uh, there wasn't mm. a lot of uh, flow going into the baby. And so they just figured, hey, let's take her out. We'll 
get her the nutrients that she needs that essentially the you know the, the biology and my wife really could couldn't do as good of a job as the hospital NICU could sure right sure. and so you know that was the decision was a really logical one to remove our daughter and yeah. uh, heal my wife matter of fact my, they basically said my, your wife cannot get better unless we take the baby out she will continue to get sick okay and, okay. Well, you know, so the only way to solve this was to remove her. Okay. And, you know, I mean, and she and she was ready. So you guys had been at the hospital long yeah. enough to get those lungs and everything. Cause that's yeah. what they always say: get those lungs developed for them. And obviously, she pulled her yeah, she did. oxygen out, so <laughs> the lungs were good. So they they did what they needed to do for yeah. her. That, that's awesome. And I heard a lot of people telling me that had been through this. I said, "Oh, three pounds, you're good, no problem." You know, like yeah. this is you know, you know the mid. 2010s or whatever it is and um i was like oh okay i, I guess i'll take your word at it and sure enough she was fine but you know like kind of looking back like wow you know there's babies today that are you know mm. born at 16 ounces 18 ounces stuff like that and, and make it that's just crazy to me you know uh, it the, is the work that they can do and that nick you was just i mean talk about professionals you know through and through i mean it, it was just 100% impressed all the way so and they I, know they, are, I know they deal with some really difficult situations because I know that it appeared that the room across from us was dealing with something very serious and um, you know because she was there for three weeks so I was there you know every yeah. day dropping off breast milk and all this stuff in the morning and my wife was going in in the afternoon with my mother-in-law and you know, all this, you know, kind of routine that we had built up and, you know, you kind of get a sense of the stuff that's going on around you. And I had noticed at least in one particular room that was, you know, the baby itself was having, sure. you know, some extreme challenges, which was yeah. really unsettling, you know, to see that and watch a family from afar that, you know, I never knew their names or snooped in on them or anything like that. You could just kind of see it from across the hallway and put two to two together. I think, yeah. wow, you know, that's, that's, that's really crazy. Cause you know, my wife, when she would visit, she would visit like in a wheelchair or, you know, later on, uh -huh. you know, she was just like, she just had a baby and had surgery and, you know, she wasn't moving around real fast. Right. And the family that right. was going in there, like that mom, like she looked healed, like, you know, uh, she looked like it had been a while since she had delivered a baby. She was, you know, had a wow. skip on her step, you know, so just like the body language from afar, like I said, like you could just tell like something different was a foot there and you know the families that have to deal with that i mean it's 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 so variable and you know we're lucky you know and in that case we we got a beautiful yes. little girl and you know she you know there was nothing really other really wrong with the baby herself and she got plump and left and you know that's awesome so how long was your wife there you know she you had indicated that she was pretty sick and that they needed to do the c-section have her deliver mm -hmm. i assume it was a c-section deliver um for your wife's well oh. so was she there for a short period of time or once she delivered About a she week okay. six or six or seven days which is okay. just slightly longer yeah. i think than if we just have a a regular normal you know 40 week yeah you know type of pregnancy you know like the kind of standard one i okay. guess you could say good. If there's good. such a thing but good yeah 
So then yeah. what happened to that? You, you brought her home. Um, she was the best little girl, you know, all that. <laughs> and then you decided at some point that you wanted to have well, more children. Well, we always, I think, just wanted to have two. You know, I'm a, okay. you know, I kind of have a sarcastic, dry humor. I, you know, I always refer to them as our replacement kids. Oh, you know, okay. Okay. you know, one to replace me, one to replace her. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> and okay. you know, so we just kind of had settled on the number two. Okay. And the second baby was a surprise. In other words, we hadn't quite yet said we were going to have a second child, but okay, one was on the way. But, and I assume, you know, your wife was not getting any younger, so it was, it was yeah. probably in the plan for it to happen fairly soon after the first, yeah. but, but not, still a surprise. <laughs> not, I think we were going to maybe try to wait a year, you know, like, okay, okay. so we were going to end up in a scenario where we were going to have two under two. And I don't know that we really wanted that per se, right? Okay. Okay. Right. And so it was fine and then it just kind of became the thing right and so but because it sort of caught us off guard you know and knowing that my wife was susceptible to high-risk pregnancies yeah you know this is it starts forcing us to contend with this earlier than we were mentally ready to do okay and so instead of switching to a high-risk OB, for, at that time, we decided to stay with the current OB, right? Okay, okay. And mm -hmm. I forget exactly all the details of how that um, panned out. I, I think there's potentially maybe some guilty feelings there we've had to suppress, you know, because of how things went with the second pregnancy. Uh, we're essentially identical to the first okay so first trimester everything's fine you know i think my wife puked on my car once you know just <laughs> you know the normal <laughs> the normal stuff i mean i, I remember <laughs> pulling off someplace in the south st louis city and she you know puked out the side of my car <laughs> 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 yeah, then we have guys, have guys have no idea how that feels. I hate to say sure. you just really yeah. have no idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't mad at her at all. You I, know, I, I, just... <laughs> I, I totally get it with her. Yeah, you know, I'm just kind of looking at her like, you know, this foreign being is taking over her body, you know, and I'm just... <laughs> like an alien in there making all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just wreaking havoc, right? And yeah. then the, the second trimester, the same thing, right? I mean, just she goes through it with absolute smoothness. We get the blood work back. Everything's looking good. And we have a second baby girl on the way, right? Yay. Okay. Exactly. So, you know, and that is like, wow, now I'm going to be like, I'm going to have these two young girls, right? And I know really close in age. And I know I've seen how that works. That uh -huh. can be a powerful dynamic you know in terms of them growing up and being close and just the way that girls can be like that right sisters close sisters yeah. can be and so i start kind of imagining what life looks like just with this now being my new family right i went from zero <laughs> to one to two girls like wow, yeah you know? two daddy girls 
Yeah, exactly. So I just, and I think, man, they're going to be so close and they're going to be in school together and high school together. And I just, you know, you start thinking about all these things and you yes. start kind of building this reality for them that doesn't exist. Uh, you know, and so same thing happens. My wife gets, starts getting sick around week 30, mm. just like, just like before. Um, we go in before Thanksgiving break. She had been being seen by the OB twice a week because of her high risk nature. But because of Thanksgiving week, um, she could only be seen once. Okay. So they push, it was like a Tuesday, Friday arrangement. So they pushed her appointment to like a Wednesday and told her to come back first thing Monday morning. And to basically go on bed rest, to take it easy, all that stuff. So, you know, we did. I, I, I refused to let her essentially move, you know, like, you know, you need to rest. You need to do everything that the doctor said. You need to just completely chill out and just be a log, you know, and just be as calm and cool as collected as possible. And we'll, we'll, we'll get in on Monday and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, but that, all of that went off, off the rails. Um, so, that, and this is where, you know, the story gets pretty, you know, pretty bad to say okay. the least. So um, I went to Thanksgiving with my family alone with my daughter. Okay. Uh, actually, I, I took Amelia out of the house. We went and you know, we, we had Thanksgiving, my wife stayed home, rested, like I told her to, came back. And then on Sunday, I went and got dinner. And Sunday night, my wife started saying she had sharp pains and her upper, upper uh, abdomen. And uh, didn't think anything of it other than the fact that, well, we'll tell the doctor in the morning when we get there. Mm-hmm. Right. And then on that night around 2:30 in the a.m. maybe something like that she wakes me up coming out of the bathroom she's got blood all over oh no not like a horror scene but just yeah, you know yeah. there's blood on her right and it's not good um and so she starts getting confused we get amelia uh up get everybody in the car we act like we're having a baby we, we drive to mercy we get there i mean early in the morning was it even four o'clock i'm not even sure um uh, but it was probably around then they same thing they bring her in we start trying to take down her information you know all this stuff my wife has a seizure mm. right right in front of me i've never seen anything like it before my daughter screams because she's scared i mean she's not even two years old you know mm-hmm. and it's just chaotic and the the ladies that admit it admit there you know they, they do a great job but i mean it's not really like their specialty to deal with you know s- things that serious right up, up front right but i'm sure it, ha- it can't be the only time they've seen something like that but just kind of what i know now of how this stuff can go for people right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they immediately take her upstairs to a delivery, not like a operating room, but like one of the maternity or delivery room type of places. And I mean, it's really heartbreaking. You know, they, I'm, I'm pacing around the room. I'm completely nervous. My wife is obviously sick. Her, 
seizures had stopped. I'm holding my child. There's medical people surrounding her and they're trying to get a handle on what's happening. And they're, they got the regular like heart search monitor all over her looking for the heartbeat and they just cannot find it, which happens when the baby's very young, but at 34 weeks, it's usually easy to pick up and they can't find it. They can't find it. They can't find it. And I can tell that they're not happy with this outcome. Right. So they roll in the ultrasound monitor, like the little portable one. Mm -hmm. And I mean, within a split second, a doctor says your baby's gone. Oh my gosh. And I mean, it just, all that stuff I said about creating this life for these two girls just completely was gone. It just began evaporating in front of me, you know, like, and just, you know, the sadness and grief just was, was not ready for that because, you know, we, we, you know, infertility issues, all that, that's that to me in my mind is just as ignorant as I was, you know, the previous kid about is seven weeks early. Like, I don't know, like to me, (laughs) like, you know, ignorance, was is well infertility infertility issues mean you know you can't conceive a child right we have no issues with that like but you know it turns out that you know it's a it's a journey there's a lot of things that can go wrong yes and uh my wife's sickness we this is when we really learn more about what's at what's going on inside my wife's body is after all this happens right sure so um so what happened the first time is what happened the second time. Yeah, and I would say maybe if you if you ask the OB if you could interview her, she could go through a very you know in depth medical analysis of it all. You know, there might be some nuanced differences and technicalities that you know that it had exhibited itself in slightly different ways, but it was basically the same thing. You know, okay. from a ten thousand foot view, my wife has blood clotting agents that essentially build up in the capillaries around the placenta, which then reduce the amount of oxygen flow and nutrients that can get through into the baby. But these things build up, which they also create like a backflow, like a dam of blood and blood pressure around the placenta, which the placenta is only strong enough to handle this extra, you know, backflow. And what had happened, this begins to start rearing the symptoms around week 30 for my wife is when the symptoms appear. But a month later at week 34, the pressure had built up so much that it had torn the placenta apart. And that was more than likely the pain that my wife was feeling on the couch before she even went to bed when she said that her upper abdomen was hurting very badly. The placenta was releasing. I'm I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a medical person. Right, right. But I'm guessing that's actually when we needed her in the operating room. Yeah. Right? Because when the placenta breaks, as I understand, you have no time. Yeah, yeah. When it releases. And so what's called that six six p.m. That's when she needed to be there, not at two thirty or four or whatever. The baby had already passed, and she was beginning to bleed. And but you you know know, that now, and you know, yeah. Hopefully, you both 
do not blame yourself for that. You you cannot blame yourself for not knowing. You know? Yeah, I mean the the emotions that go through you are complex. Sure. They're variable for everybody. Um, there's this profound sense of sadness. You know, on paper, it's a stillborn. You know, I remember filing my taxes. Missouri has like a stillborn tax credit. I was like, man, that's hmm. morbid. And I actually filed for it. <laughs> just, you know, I mean, like, I mean, I felt bad doing it even. Like, this is just so crazy. Like, feeling like I should get a little bit extra on my tax refund after dealing with this. Like, it's just insanity. Wow, I, was I like, had- I had That's no a, idea. No it's idea. A check box. It's a checkbox or something, you know, so I just, oh, yeah, actually, I did have a stillborn, right? And I, I never heard that child cry, and I never, you know, got to look into her eyes or have them look back at me, and, you know, it just, you know, and there's a lot more to the story after she was born, even. It's just, it's insane, and I just, you know, I, the way you feel is it's like I said, you go through stages of, you know, just trying to cope with what's happening. Cause immediately, I mean, cause at 34 weeks, I mean, my, she was further along in the pregnancy than my, her older sister. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's like, you almost like have this like tug of war where in my mind, child, you know, she was absolutely easily ate she was a pound over a pound heavier than my her older sister mm. she was further along she was of greater weight the only the, the only thing that was a little different she didn't look like me she looked more like my wife and <laughs> okay and that was kind of neat you know like there was something different about them but they were going to be these two little girls together but no more right and you know it just you know, I, I had, my wife is extremely sick on this one. I mean, even more sick than before they take her out of the operating room. She goes straight into the ICU with an esophageal tube. She's completely unaware of what's happened. She wakes up two days later, wondering where her baby is, even though she knew before going in that the baby had passed, Mm. but she thought it was a dream. Mm she didn't realize and in the meanwhile while she's completely un- unconscious uh, you know i'm beginning the beginning stages of planning a funeral oh my gosh without you know, without your and, wife yeah and so you go and she was incapable of doing it physically mentally right my my dad stepped up to the plate was a huge in this particular piece you know i'm forever indebted for his ability to sort of soberly come to my side and, and help me out, you know, as, you know, any father I'm sure would, right? Sure. And, um, you know, he, and, and her family too, and by her side, I mean, everyone really did come together because it was uh, a moment of sadness. We really never thought that like something like that could happen to us. And it did. I mean, it, and it happened suddenly. We thought that, oh, maybe, we just have another NICU baby and a couple weeks in the NICU and we're back home. And then we got the two little girls growing yeah. up together from home. Right. And right. that's not what happened. Yeah. And we lived in a small house in the city with just two bedrooms. We had the crib like already put together next to our bedroom. Mm. 
Mm. You know, like, and, you know, like, just having to, like, go home and, like, take it apart, you know, and pull all the screws out and put all mm. the pieces together and just move it back into storage. Just, like, this wasn't going to happen up for us. You know, it's just the whole routine was just every step of the way was just heart-wrenching, you know. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, she, she was a stillborn. She was she she was not like a sit baby or something like that. She was a healthy baby girl, um, mm. and you know, it's just just part of what happened. So yeah, and uh, we had her named ahead of time and all that even. So okay, you know, I was going to say, did you did you name her? Yeah, yeah, she had a name before all this happened. Okay. You know, we, we had a name picked out, first name, middle name, you know, it was, it was all set up. It was all ready to go. And, you know, just, it never happened. So, and the thing is, if, it's almost like, man, what would have happened if we would have gone back to the OB on Friday as opposed to Thanksgiving? True. Pushing us, you know, I mean, would she have <laughs> admitted her, you know, like all of that, like, you just think, wow, what just terrible timing for all for for this to come to a head like what if her body could have held on for another 12 hours yeah you know and she would have been able to make it to that monday morning appointment but she never did you know the monday morning appointment was a an emergency surgery yeah and you know they wrapped up my daughter and they brought her out to me and they wouldn't let me in this the operating room and they brought her out to me all wrapped up you know and and, and let me spend some time with her um and it was just heartbreaking, really. I mean, but I wanted to because uh, in my mind, it was the only chance I'd ever have to be any type of father to her. Yes. Was right then and there. I had three, four, five, six days, whatever it was. I can't even remember anymore. Um, I, the funerals after my wife got out of the hospital, she could barely um, walk through the, you know, the cemetery and stuff. She was you know, still healing from being cut open. Yeah. And all that, but. So was your wife able to see the baby yeah. girl? Okay. Yeah, twice. Okay. twice. Okay. Once they, at the hospital, when she had gotten out of the ICU, and they put her in a recovery room, and by herself, and they, I encouraged my wife, a little bit, I, but we talked about it. I said, you know, I idea if they would bring the baby by and I'll let you spend some time with her, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so they did. They got her out of the morgue, and because something they do um, there, you know, they give you the option, and they brought her up to the room. But you're only given so much time, which is is completely heartbreaking because you know a, a, a deceased life form of any type can only be you know, left out in the elements for so long before, you know, just nasty things begin to happen biologically, right? Sure. And so they, you know, they cut your time off and they take her back. And it's just crazy, you know, and it's like, but it's a chance to look at her face and get a sense of the child that you had and whatnot. And then the, the second time was um, at the visitation. Mm -hmm. uh, before the funeral, my wife and I had a private visitation with just me and her only. Um, okay. So um, we didn't want any family there or anything like that. We just wanted 
that uh, one last time for ourselves. And then I was, you know, the only pallbearer because it was just, you know, just a little baby coffin. Sure. Uh, and I, I took the uh, coffin out of the hearse and, you know, walked her up the hill to the family gravesite and, um, you know, set her down and read a eulogy that I had written mm. you know, in front of our whole family. And uh, again, it was just something that I had thought that I needed to do. Okay. But this was my one chance to really, you know, honor her. Sure. You know, I'm trying to get broke up. Talk about it. No, um, totally understandable. No, and it's fine. I, I'm okay with it. It's just, uh, <clears throat> you know, my other daughter, like she might get married one day. You know, I might be able to say something at her wedding. I might, you know, have all these other times when she graduates or does whatever in life, you know, to speak up as her father, but not with, not with my other girl. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, well, hey, this is really the only time that I have to really uh say these things sure yeah so do you do anything as a family to remember her on her birthday (laughs) christmas or anything it's really sad i know families do you know know. it's it's a preference and and bless them really i mean you know and i don't really know how to describe it without really kind of you know digging too deep probably but you know, it was a decision of my wife and I that, you know, that it was going to be something between me and her until the kids got older. Um, sure. To, to, to discuss. Um, because I really don't know, right? I mean, I want to burden them with something that we felt was very heavy, but I know that other families do. You know, I know yeah. that, you know, other families, you know, honor than with birthdays or whatever that's great i you know again i don't think there's really any wrong or right way to do it you do whatever works and is most comfortable for you absolutely and that's the way that you go about it but um no we don't my wife and i no but we don't do anything ceremonious okay um we have a lot of we collect some stuff dresses and things and whatnot that you know we we have a a little spot in the house that has all that you know Mm -hmm. but it's not visible to the kids it's like a drawer that we have essentially sure my daughter has found it she's like what is this oh (laughs) you know like oh well we'll go we'll get to it later (laughs) and she's a little older yeah, I mean, she's also a very strong personality, and she doesn't really, you know, I'm not really sure how she would react. Um, sure. I don't. Sometimes the way she act reacts is surprising, right? Okay. Um, so. So were you, know, you able to get some photos that when you decide yeah, to tell? I do. Her that you can show her as well. I do. I I have okay. photos. You know, okay. I do. I they have like a like a photographer for that at the hospital yeah um i forget the name of the photography agency but i remember her coming up and asking if she wanted them i said yeah i mean because to me like i said there was just such a small amount of it occurred to me that i had such a small amount of time my wife was incapable of making these decisions physically and mentally that i basically wanted to have everything in case that someday in the future she said man i would really like to 
sure. see my little girl again, I would be like, oh, well, here we go. And if she doesn't want to love or look at him again, then I would honor that wish too, right? Because I know it can be very heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's different. So I'd rather, you know, just kind of file it on the runner, have it, not need it, than you know, need it and not have it. Um, sure, sure. So we did all that, you know. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you wishy-wash between guilt and, and just fate in a way, right, of, you know, this was avoidable or maybe it wasn't. Like, you know, you can really beat yourself up about it. I mean, yeah, it really, you can. It, it, it's really bad. And then, you know, we went to group therapy once uh, with, there was a couple other couples there to hear their stories. Just, I mean, crazy, you know, and you just realize, man, this stuff happens way more often than you really hear about. It's such a personal thing for people. Yeah, I don't go around talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so do you feel like just going once and knowing that you weren't alone in that, that there were other families, that that was enough, that you only went one time? Well, yeah. So, you know, you try, at least for us, we try different approaches to therapy of some sort, right? Sure. You know, I mean, some people, for example, this is kind of crass to say, but, you know, they might drink or whatever right it's sure, not unheard of sure. people might deal or cope with you know grief or ptsd in a, a certain way like that and it's not us right you okay. know ours is more like well you know what are the you know ava- availability of various group therapy or psychiatrist or you know whatever is out there right and so one of the things we tried was group therapy but my wife did, did not enjoy it at all she really okay. did not like that piece of it at all and uh so we didn't well, it sounds it. like she's a very private yeah so we went to private, private therapy okay. several times over, okay. and over and over and over okay and basically talked about it until i just could no longer work up any like sadness over it anymore you know because it was like we had explored like every angle and hashed out every little detail and had sort of come to terms with what had happened and, okay you know over time you know we were going like monthly for a while like you just build up enough distance i think my wife had you know gone a couple extra times by herself but i i went with her the vast majority of times okay uh, and then she continued to go just to therapy in general as this is sort of part of her thing for you know a while you know i mean she got pregnant again so you know i mean what happens then like is just you know you have this third child is it a second child is it a third child i don't know you know Mm, yeah you know to me it's in a way it's like a third child but it's hard to explain for someone who only sees two and i don't want to get into it so i just always tell people i have two kids but really deep down in my own soul i feel like i really have three even though that one was just so fleeting so yeah (laughs) yeah so you just said that you had another child. So was that like the second kind of a surprise or was that no. a plan that, that was, you still wanted to have two to, like you said, replace you and your wife, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right before um, my wife got sick, I was to, I mean, I, you know, before we lost the baby about a week or two before that, I mean, I just remember looking at her in the bedroom and going, man, this is it. Like, 
you cannot, we cannot have another baby. This, these things are making you sick. Yeah. And then that happened. I was like, oh man, I can't believe that. Like I told my wife that maybe we shouldn't do it, but here we are back at square one again. Right. And, but you know, a lot more now. Yeah. And so we just, we talked about it a considerable amount and decided to try to have another child. Okay. And this one didn't come quite as easy as the other two, <laughs> but it came pretty easy. Okay. okay. I mean, and so I'm how, sure you're going to have your... women that come on the show that just talk about the struggles of conception that it's yes. just like an impossible yeah. thing to get for. I mean, it yes. took us basically three months. I mean, which okay. is really nothing, right? Right. I mean, it really, really is in nothing at all. Scheme, yeah, in the grand, in the grand scheme, scheme of it all. Yeah. And so uh, and we switched how, out. How, is your wife now with the third because we talked about that at the beginning that age was a concern she had just turned 40 when he was born okay all right okay and you probably heard the the pronoun there we had a little boy yeah and but we switched to a different high-risk doctor who specifically deals with cases like my wife and others Okay. Okay. And it was, was a completely different. The baby went to 36 weeks, which for my wife was great. She was barely sick. You know, like it seemed like maybe she was starting to exhibit some symptoms at 36 weeks, you know, so they just pulled the plug on and said, yeah, let's deliver it. Okay. Let's get him out of yeah. there. You know, I mean, just no messing around. He was, you know, a pound heavier than the second child two pounds heavier than my first daughter he was plump he stayed in the NICU for 25 hours oh wow they brought him up to our our room he went home with us just a completely different you know way that it went mm -hmm. and you know and so now instead of having you know the two girls we have an older sister and a younger brother mm -hmm. and it's funny because that's what both my wife and I are you know, I'm the younger brother mm -hmm. and she's the older sister. Yeah. And now <laughs> what we're raising and, you know, he's three and he's acting like a three-year-old and he's driving us nuts like a three-year-old. And, you know, only, only my wife and I are aware of this, of, of this time in between. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but in, in a way, you know, he doesn't exist unless we go through what we went through yeah. we don't have a third child or if we do we have it at a different time yeah and it's just creates a different being out of that difference right yeah and that's like he in a way in a morbid way owes his existence to what happened to us because of just the way that all works right mm. You know, the biology of creating a, a new life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, if he, you know, that particular month <laughs> and that particular time, right, creates him. Yeah. And only him. Hmm. But would have only happened that way if we would have to, we would have had to have gone through what we went through. Sure. Uh, and so. I don't know if that's why they, in a part of why they call them rainbow babies or, you know, how all that works. Cause I'm just ignorant about that sort of thing too. I'm sure my wife would 
yeah. tell you all about it, but it's just, you know, I felt like an expert by then, you know, like, you know, oh yeah, this is our third, you know, go around here. And now, we, you know, we had one that worked and we realized why it worked and we had one that didn't. And now we're wise to why that didn't. And we're not going to let this happen a third time. Yeah. And, you know, it, it did it. We picked the, we picked the right doctor, put us on the right plan that treated her the right way that we had the baby at the right time. And everything was fine. I mean, the only little hiccup was, uh, I think by that time, my wife's body maybe was just so stressed it had trouble producing breast milk. Okay. And so she she wanted to uh, breastfeed him, and she thought that she was because he was a really good uh, I don't know, suckler or whatever they call yeah. it. Latching on. Mm-hmm. Latching. Yeah, latching. Anyway, <laughs> that's even a word. <laughs> but anyway nothing was actually coming out so he was going through the motions but he wasn't actually taking in any calories and he started losing weight uh, early on okay and so we we just switched to formula and you know he's just a little you know he's fine good you know, he's perfectly fine healthy baby you know he's just a good kid so good yeah um, i think that kind of is a rainbow baby because it's it's hope you know and i yeah. think it's the hope um just that you know, and you'll have to tell me if you felt like this, did that help with the grieving? And you never want them to be a replacement for a child that you lost, but I think it, it definitely helps with people that I've talked to with that, that grieving and that hope and, and all of that. Yeah, that's a good question. So... He's about a year and a half had gone by. So I think just on that level, you know, just some of your grief subsides, right? Mm-hmm. Just naturally, you know, you just, you can't cry 24-7. Like your body's just not sure. designed to do that, right? You can certainly be sad. When, you know, it was clear we were having another child, you know, part of you switches to just the instincts to make sure that everything goes right with this. So you sort of that in a way pushed some of what happened a little deeper down so that it wasn't really interfering with our ability to care for our next child. Right. Okay. And then when you have a child, I mean, you just, you know, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of diapers, a lot of Mm -hmm. scheduling, there's a lot of getting up at night and there's a lot of just that sort of stuff that goes on and you're going to do it. You know, I mean, you're just for the most part, you know, uh, that's, you know, for most people, they're just going to rise to the occasion because mm-hmm. it's just human, human nature, you know, to, to do so. Yeah. You know, so on that level, yeah, I mean, it, in a way just sort of makes it less intense. It doesn't, it's like the end of the movie's happy <laughs> to some extent, you know, it's a happy ending in a way, right. Even though there's this, this completely awful part in the middle that you would never yeah. actually would want to happen there's part of you that says man i would wish to have all three but you know like i know also that that's would have never really happened you know i couldn't have those exact three kids because if i would have had the second one i may never had a third correct yeah (laughs) and if i did it would have potentially been longer away i mean i I, because part of it is you know the the fear of having another child is just losing my wife yeah I mean, I nearly, I could have lost her the second time. And then if that would have happened, there never would have been a 30. It would just be me and Amelia, you know, like, right. 
um and that's that you know but you know they Mm. you know i don't feel like her life was in that much danger but i mean obviously like i said she was in the icu and she was unconscious for a certain amount of time so there was a certain degree of risk there but i mean she she was she recovered she was in the right place i mean that would have been that would have been incredibly sad and i know that it happens i read news stories about it where a dad goes in with his family and walks out with nothing and i'm just like wow like i couldn't imagine i couldn't imagine and i just i realized it could actually be worse yeah well that's it could have actually been worse and it still was just awful right and you know and i've been to funerals of little babies sids kids Mm -hmm. you know other things and i just i I don't know. I it just like, man, you, you think you have a healthy child or whatever, and it's just ripped from you. I just, I, I, I still can't wrap my head around just some of the different experiences that people have. And I mean, this is just my own, right? I mean, right. you know, but and you, I can only but, speak to that, but yeah. I just have this overwhelming empathy that was created that I don't, I mean, I guess I had on some level, like, yeah, human loss is always sad and you just feel bad for people when it happens. But you know, having gone through something like that myself, I really know, like, man, and I had a friend who, who basically, you know, they, they lost a child, a, a child, child, right? A uh, young child, a few years uh, after this had happened. As a matter of fact, I think the kid was born at around the same time this happened to us. Okay. And so his kid was roughly the same age that my little girl would have been, right? Mm. And he ended up losing her, and him, excuse me, and, I, and he was just... I mean, just the sadness. I just, I mean, to this day, I'll just never forget it. It's, I, I just can't wrap my head around it. It makes no sense. Um, so, yeah. and, you know, and he, to some extent, looked to me, you know, for a, a minute. And I told him, I said, you know, you do what you need to do to, to honor your child. I mean, don't let anyone tell you that the right or wrong way to do this. You do what you want to do. And, great and it, advice for him and it's and it's okay to be to grieve to be as sad as you want to cry like a baby to whatever the way you want to do it it's 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 your family it was your child and you react the way that that makes sense to you because and that's really the advice i would give anybody is you know just there's no right or wrong way to handle these feelings i mean they're just they're way too powerful and you just need to take care of your own business and grieve the way you need to grieve you know as strongly or as lightly as you feel fit because other people are different i mean i've seen people that sort of just power through this a little better than others but it it could be also a facade for all i know Mm -hmm. Uh, you know but maybe they're just better at suppressing it or whatever that could be that could be you know but it's not my place to say yeah Everyone definitely deals with things differently. We just want to make sure that people deal with it in a healthy way, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's healthy for them. Um, so you kind of already said this, but I'm going to, I'm going to let you elaborate on that. If, if you would like to, um, of any advice, any encouragement, any hope, um, for others and, you know, just, I, I love that you are, you helped this other um, dad um, through a very, very difficult time. One of the most difficult it has to be losing a child. Um, 
And so is there any other words of encouragement for the listeners, words of hope for them? I love the analogy too that people give that grief and joy can come together. You know, you can still have the joy because a lot of people are like, you know, I can't be happy because I lost my child, but they can coexist that you can still, and you still, obviously there are times when uh, that grief resurfaces, you became emotional mm-hmm. while we talked yeah. that, that resurfaces sure. in all people and it will for the rest of your life, but yeah. that grief is there, but you can still have joy right along with it yeah um you know i remember feeling alone um until i realized that i wasn't and so i guess the one thing i could say to people on top of what i've already said is that you're not alone you know people just don't widely talk about this but you know as i just sort of sit here in my car and you know watch people mill around you know, West County, right? Um, you don't know who carries that burden with them, mm. right? And, and there's a lot of people out there that do. And I know because every time I've let it slip that maybe something like this was part of my life, occasionally someone says, oh, yeah, we went through the same thing or whatnot. You know, something along those lines. It, it, it comes up, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you're not alone. Shoot. I mean, I mean, I'll tell you what, what really caught me off guard was at the time that I did this, I was managing a small department and one of my employees told me that he lost twins. And and I mean, it blew me away because I had, you know, me and this guy had worked together for quite a while and he was a, a consummate professional. He was, you know, highly skilled in his, his craft. He, he was awesome through and through. He was kind and nice to people. You would mm-hmm. have never thought that he was hit with something like this. And he had a bunch of kids. So, uh, you know, I didn't, I hadn't never, I didn't realize that at some point, you know, he had never confided with me that he had actually had this happen to him. And I was one of the first things he said when I came back to work. And I was, that was really the first time I realized that, but actually, I had a number number of people at the place I worked at that had approached me, had said, you know, hey man, I, you know, you know, we had a little private conversation, but it, it's it's crazy. It w- was really clear to me then that how how common this is, mm. and mm-hmm. and you know there there are if part of what you want to do in the grieving process is, you know, feel like you're not alone. You're not alone, right? Yeah. And, you know, just because people don't talk about it in the open because of just the nature of how hard it is to talk about these things you know it's okay you're you're definitely not alone it is okay you have the ability to grieve in your own way without being judged by anybody and you know i i think that's extremely important to give people the the freedom to to then the license to just go through this journey on their own because you know if this hasn't happened to you it might if it or it may not you don't know i mean if you were to rewind the clock and find me as a 20 year old man (laughs) or a 30 year old man or at any time before this had happened years old and say that this was going to be part of your life 
I'm not sure I would have taken you very seriously as a time traveler, right? But sure. it, it did. It did happen to me. And the, the big thing that I can take away from it is that if, if it's something like that were to happen to you, or maybe it already has, that it's, it's you know, that there's many of us out there, it's, it's okay in its own little way that's happened. You can't go back in time. You can't kill yourself over it or beat yourself up over it. And it's okay to, to go on this journey in a way that's right specifically for you. Uh, and if you need resources or help, you know, it's, it's all out there. Yeah. Um, it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Beautifully said uh, from a man's, you know, perspective. And, and I so appreciate you um, coming on and sharing from the man's perspective um, how that felt. I think, too, we didn't really elaborate a lot on this, but I think as a man, you, you kind of take on the role to make everything okay and to fix everything. And you've got to be the strong one through it all. Yeah, I had no choice. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that puts a lot more sometimes even on that that the husband to kind of carry all of that and not really be able to to talk to anyone or express that because you're a man. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah, and I and I know that people have said that to us that sometimes this can really throw a wrench in the, in the marriage relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, luck, luckily to me hearing that, I thought, well, man, this strengthens my resolve to my wife, um, to, to make sure that that I'm by her side and, and, and on her side in this, you know, and, I don't know. That's just the way that I interpreted it. So if sure. she wants me to go to therapy 50 times, we'll go 50 times. If she only wants me there five times, we'll do five. She wants me to stay away. I mean, whatever I need to do to, you know, make sure that she knows, cause we share this together, you know, no one will ever be able to replace that experience that we had together. I mean, it, it's sort of in a way, you know, bonded us, together forever in that because we're the only ones that could have felt this way about it right and so you know it's just I just feel I had to be by her side not just then but forever because it's still difficult I mean you know I mean it's still there it's still yeah we know Mm -hmm. we still bring it up to each other you know yeah Yeah. it's crazy yeah well, I'm glad that it has made your bond stronger because, like you said, there are times where that's not the case, that it tears, um, it destroys the relationship. Um, but in your case, it did not. It, it made that bond even stronger, which, which is great that you were, you were, it says a lot about you as a person that you were there with her and stood by her side with whatever she wanted um, and needed. You know, um, so I want to again thank you. We'll come, you yeah. know, in the podcast. I want to thank you so much for taking this time to share with the listeners your story um, yeah. and to be available. I assume if anyone needs um, some help to know that they're not alone. 
Um, yeah. We will connect them. I will connect them to you. They sure. can reach out to me. And uh, again, thank you so, so much. I very much appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to do this, share my story because I just, like I said, I just don't think enough people do. And yes. sometimes you can feel alone in that. And that's, again, why that's probably a big part of my ending message there, which is that you're not. Absolutely. There's, Absolutely. Why at the end of the tunnel is faint as it may seem. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jeff, for sharing your heart-wrenching story of the loss of your daughter. I know it will give hope and encouragement to all of our listeners. Sharing a story is powerful and will always inspire others and give them hope. If you have found value and encouragement in listening to this podcast, please subscribe and give a review. But most importantly, share this with the person you know that it can help. If you are interested in connecting with myself or Jeff, please connect on Facebook through Women Connect and Support or by sending me an email at Teresa, T-E-R-E-S-A dot Women Connect 2019 at gmail.com. All of this information will also be in the show notes. And as always, I want you to know that you are not alone on this journey, and we are here to connect and give you support through this most difficult time of your life.